0: Welcome to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Adrian Peterson and produced in the studios of WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. I'm Jeff White. This is edition NWS 637 for release on Sunday, May 9th, 2021. On WaveScan today, a radio facility in India turned into a jail. More on WWV with Aaron Castillo and Matt Deutsch, and our Philippine DX report. It was on August 5th of last year, 2020, that All India Radio in Almora, in the northern Indian border state of Uttarakhand, Announced that local police officials had temporarily taken over some of the staff accommodation at the Akashvani Center in Almora. The police stated that they needed the accommodation for new jail inmates in order to minimize the spread of the coronavirus. Ray Robinson has more on this.
1: Thanks, Jeff. All India Radio Almora is located on Almora Road, Katyari, and the campus contains the radio station as well as staff accommodations. The police authorities took over some of the accommodation on this campus in spite of objections raised by the local management of All India Radio, AIR. The presence of prisoners in the A.I.R. staff quarters at Almora presented problems for A.I.R. staff personnel, they stated, including the women and children who expressed concern for their well-being. The police authorities indicated that their usage of the A.I.R. accommodations would be temporary only until the virus situation is resolved in the Almora area. Almora, with its 35,000 population, is a small city located against the Himalaya foothills towards the south of the state Uttarakhand, which is nestled against China to the north and Nepal to the southeast. Because of its mountainous elevation at a little over 5,000 feet, Almora enjoys a mild climate. The AIR medium-wave station in Almora was the second medium-wave station in the territory of the state of Uttarakhand, and it was inaugurated with 1 kW on 999 kHz in June 1986. Half a dozen years ago, AIR headquarters in New Delhi announced their intent to increase the power of their Almora station to 5 kW in order to increase its coverage areas in the mountainous regions of the state. However, instead, the number of local FM relay stations was considerably increased. The state of Uttarakhand, as it is known today, was carved out of the larger Uttar Pradesh and formed into a separate state on the 9th of November 2000 under the name Uttaranchal. Due to public clamour, the state name was changed to the now more familiar Uttarakhand on the 1st of January 2007. The first radio station in this territory, a Pioneer Endeavour, was inaugurated in Dehradun on the 6 April 1936 with 250 watts on 225 metres under the callsign VUU. This Pioneer radio broadcasting station was established and operated under the authority of the political superintendent of the area. However, due to lack of funding, this station was closed two years later on the 10th of May 1938. Nearby to Dehradun was a very large prisoner of war camp operated by the British for holding enemy aliens who were resident in India and several nearby countries when hostilities broke out in Europe and Asia in the middle of the last century. One of the famous prisoners in that internment camp was the Austrian mountaineer Heinrich Harrer, he escaped from the internment camp, traversed the high snow-covered mountainous areas and went on into Tibet, where he became a tutor and friend to the new young Dalai Lama. In the Himalayan foothills above Daradun is Mussoorie, a British hill station with its internationally recognised Christian school, Woodstock. Nearby also is Vincent Hill, which was a boarding school for the children of Adventist missionaries throughout India. This school was closed in 1969 and sold after denominational leadership was gradually transferred over to Indian leadership. The large Vincent Hill property was sold to a Sikh religious order and they now operate their own FM radio station at this location, Radio Kushi, on 90.4 MHz. The first radio broadcasting station for coverage of what is now Uttarakhand in our modern era was established at Najibabad a little less than half a century ago. This AIR station began at a power level of 100 kilowatts on 954 kHz, though these days it operates at 200 kW. Najibabad is located almost on the state border with Uttarakhand and the radio station provides good coverage to most of the state. At the time when Uttarakhand was proclaimed a separate state as Uttaranchal in 2000, a new shortwave service was inaugurated for the new state. All India Radio Delhi carried a program relay from the medium wave station at Najibabad with 50 kW on 6030 kHz. Meanwhile, new medium-wave stations were under construction at four different locations, in addition to the aforementioned Almora on 999 kHz. Each of these new stations was rated at 1 kW, and each operated on a fixed channel, either 1485 kHz or 1602 kHz. These four new AIR medium-wave stations are located at Charmali, Pauri, Pithogar and Utakashi. Back to you, Jeff.
0: Thank you very much. Ray Robinson at KVOH in Los Angeles. Last week, we had the first part of an interview with Matt Deutsch, chief engineer of the time signal station WWV in Colorado. He was interviewed by Aaron Castillo of the Electronic Echoes program on kpcradio.com in Los Angeles. Where we ended last time, Matt Deutsch was talking about how he got started in radio listening with the Sears Roebuck Multiband Receiver.
2: And then, of course, I started learning about shortwave radio and hearing all these distant places, you know, Moscow and, uh, uh, you know, London, and then the Voice of America. And I remember my dad and I, in the morning, when we were getting ready, I was getting ready to go to school, and he was getting ready to go to work, and we'd listen to Radio Australia, listen to the news in the morning, find out what was going on, and it was, like, so cool at the time. and so. Uh, from there, of course, I want to keep upgrading my radios and such like that, um, to bigger and better shortwave radios. I uh, got a Lafayette radio and, uh, about this time I joined the Coast Guard and shortwave radio was w- the way when we we're out to sea, you know, for a long time, I was about the only connection you had with the world was listening to shortwave. And we used to use WWV on board the ship to, to set the chronometers. And so, you know, I was very familiar with that. And of course where I grew up was uh, in a place called Longmont and that was about, you know, 30 miles from, uh, WWV. It was just to the North. Wow! So I was, it was, I was in the same state as, as (laughs) WWV. So I used to tell everyone on the cutter, you know, I was like, "I, I live near where that signal's coming from. And so after I got out of, uh, uh, the Coast Guard went to college here in Fort Collins, uh, got an electrical engineering degree and right here in town with WWV. And one day I was looking for a job or I was studying in the library and my wife was helping me look for a job. And she looked in the newspaper and saw an opening for an engineer at WWV. So that got me to this location. So I've been here 31, 32 years ever since
3: that. And did you ever consider going somewhere else or have it always been like, I want to be with the radio, with WWV.
2: And if not WWV, somewhere else. I, I really enjoy the job here. This, you know, radio being it's a shortwave related to shortwave radio, uh, propagation and things like that have always been interesting to me. And, uh, so yeah, I, I never really looked anywhere else, you know, I always realized that, you know, life circumstances can change and you might need to move on to a new job, but I never actively sought anything else uh, besides working here at WWV. I uh, love the job and, um, you know, it's it's been a fun experience. Uh, I got my ham radio ticket a few years after I started working here and antennas and radios and such are are very interesting to me and I enjoy, uh, you know, as a hobby and as work. So, very enjoyable job.
3: So, how was the transition from being, an am- being just a listener to actually being part of WWB, from just the
2: engineering student to the practical application? Well, at first, it was very stressful because, you know, I felt like I had a you know, a lot of responsibility, you know, and, but once you learn the systems and how they work and, and what buttons to push and which ones not push, then you, you sort of, uh, get into, into the groove of things and, and it's an enjoyable job. And so, and then we're always upgrading and changing things to improve the reliability and such. And so that's always a challenge is to stay caught up on, you know, it's, it's sort of a world where, we're, halfway in sort of antiques for some of our test equipment and radio equipment. And then on the other end, we're, we're deep into computer, uh, you know, a lot of hardware and software computerizing things, you know, so it's, it's one of those things that it's really stretched me, um, you know, and they always talk about how you can be a, um, you know, a lot of things, but you're an expert on none of them, you know, and that's sort of how I feel sometimes it's, Got a wide breadth of experience, but not an expert.
3: What does it take to run the station? How do you? Could you walk me through a
2: day in the life? Well, uh, you know, it it might be considered kind of boring. A day, a day in the life. We come in in the morning. There's four of us here. Uh, there's there's two radio stations. I don't know if you're aware that there's two radio transmitter buildings here on site. And there's four of us take care of both the radio uh, stations, the two radio stations. Uh, The other one is WWVB, which is a 60 kilohertz station that broadcasts. Most people would be familiar with the radio controlled clocks that uh, pick up that signal. And so we come in and and first thing we do in the morning is check, make sure everything's running smoothly, check all the transmitters, check timing equipment and the things that feed the timing equipment, make sure everything's running, uh, then we're, you know, of course, then there's all the administrative stuff that you normally would deal with in running any sort of government operation. You know, we, we handle emails from, from listeners. People have questions. Uh, we used, you know, we get a lot more email, of course, now, you know, we do still get a few snail mail um, uh, letters, QSL requests, every now and then from uh, people, uh, you know, about two or three a week, maybe, you know, it used to be two or three a day. But yeah, the email now is, is the mode people choose. And so we go through, you know, emails, take care of those kind of things, answer people's questions. There's still a lot of people that have a lot of questions about what we do and how we're doing it. And we, we plan a lot of long-term improvements. Uh, you know, we try to, we're always trying to automate things. To make them more reliable, we're looking into, um, like at the 60 kilohertz station right now, we have three transmitters and two of them transmit at any given moment. There's two of them on the air, uh, one going to each antenna. They sort of simultaneously uh, broadcast one transmitter into one antenna and one transmitter into the other antenna. And uh, the other transmitter is a standby transmitter. And so, if something goes wrong, you have a power interruption or a bad storm or lightning strike that upsets one of the transmitters. Right now we have to come in. Uh, we have, you know, cell phones that page us. We have equipment that'll let us know that there's a problem with the station, but then someone has to come in, reset everything. And so we're always working on, you know, ways to minimize the amount of downtime we have where we can uh, maybe have things automatically restore themselves so we're working on that but you know it takes a lot of time and money so we work on a lot of long-term projects and then of course there's the daily about a a dozen transmitters out here and so there's always maintenance to be done there's maintenance to be done on uh, any of the timing equipment that we have so a lot of it Maybe isn't that exciting, but uh it, you know the day to day stuff may not be that exciting, but uh, that's what we do to keep things keep things up and running
3: and then what would you say would be the biggest challenge in all this maintaining and what would be the toughest part of all this
2: well uh, I guess the, the toughest part is when multiple things go wrong at the same time you know it you know the Murphy thing or the gremlins you know it's you can go days and weeks sometimes without a problem and then for some reason a transmitter will suddenly start uh, having problems where it you know maybe won't stay on high power or it won't stay you know maybe the high voltage won't stay up and, and you can't find the problem right away you know it can go on for weeks it'll you know it's an intermittent problem and it looks like things are fine and then of course you're on christmas eve you know then middle of the night (laughs) transmitter goes off the air again and then you go home and it goes off the air you just get home and turn around have to turn around and come back and and then it won't do anything for another month you know and (laughs) so it's one of those things that you you know it's one of the more difficult things is sometimes uh, you know you can have multiple things happening at the same time which is uh can be a real headache. Other times, yeah, it's it's very quiet for weeks at a time.
3: And then, what makes WWV so important to people? Um,
2: why is your job unique? Well, it's um, you know our our primary mission uh, since you know the you know and when we say the WWV's been around a hundred years, it actually only uh, has been broadcasting time signals for, um, you know, it's coming up on 100th anniversary of time and frequency signals here in uh, 2023. will be at the 100th anniversary of broadcasting time and frequency signals. But, uh, you know, back in the day, we used to uh, uh, broadcast music. Uh, and then there was uh, some, what they called farm reports for a while. And, you know, they were experimenting with all the different, things and then eventually they realized that uh you know a lot of am stations were coming on the air radio was a big thing in the 20s and the a lot of stations couldn't stay on on frequency very well and they needed constant a source a common source that could um you know everyone could reference and keep their am stations on the on the know on the proper frequency and you know of course the ham radio operators use that and our primary mission now is to disseminate the standard time interval which is a one second interval and the easiest way to do that is is by radio the radio signals uh broadcast the the time signal and uh you know and then people have you know it's it's very easy to access in the sense that you know, there's a voice announcement, you know, it's uh, the WWVB 60 kilohertz is just a data stream. Uh, GPS is just a data stream. And so you, you don't have that connection of hearing it and, you know, the ticks and the tones and stuff like that and the time announcement at the top of the minute. So a lot of people like the 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 way it it sounds. And, you know, that's what made it so popular over the years.
0: That was Matt Deutsch, Chief Engineer of WWV, talking with Aaron Castillo of the Electronic Echoes program on kpcradio.com in Southern California. We'll have more of their conversation next time on WaveScan. Sometimes in life, what is old becomes new again. Familiar names and voices we have long placed into the recesses of our minds suddenly spring back to the forefront. It can be that way with radio as well. What we sometimes consider to be antique transmissions of a bygone era can reemerge in a digital world as if time had merely paused. They ensnare the attention of both those who were around for the glory days as well as those hearing these signals for the first time. Such is the case with the recently resurfaced Russian woodpecker. The Cold War-era stalwart that once placed its distinct signal across large swaths of the HF band is once again being heard amongst the crackles of static on shortwave radios and SDRs around the world. For those who want to be part of the action, Gail Van Horn's 16th edition of her Global Radio Guide, the Summer 2021 edition, has all the details you need. My first thought was, I've heard this signal before writes the editor of the Global Radio Guide, Larry Van Horn, in his in-depth look into the return of Russia's famous over-the-horizon radar transmissions. It did not take long for me to connect what I was hearing to the past and realize I was hearing a form of the old Russian woodpecker again, he said. Included in Van Horn's article is everything you need to become a grizzled woodpecker expert, a historical review of Russia's over-the-horizon radar system, information on where in the world and on the HF band, the newest version of the woodpecker is being heard, links to audio samples so you know what to listen for, maps of transmitting locations, and more. Russian radars are not the only focus of this completely updated edition of the Global Radio Guide, though. With help of the Global Radio Guide, you can tune into shortwave broadcast stations from hot spots such as China, Cuba, India, Iran, North and South Korea, Taiwan, and many other countries. If you have a shortwave receiver, an SDR, or an Internet connection, pair it with this unique radio resource to know when and where to listen to the world. This newest edition of the Global Radio Guide carries on the tradition of those before it with an in-depth 24-hour station frequency guide with schedules for selected AM band, long-wave, and shortwave radio stations. This unique resource is the only radio publication that lists by-hour schedules that include all language services, frequencies, and world target areas for over 500 stations worldwide. The Global Radio Guide includes listings of DX radio programs and internet website addresses for many of the stations in the book. There are also entries for time and frequency stations. Larry Van Horn has also updated his SDR Buyer's Guide, a compendium that helps you to navigate through the world of software-defined radios, the digital frontier of the radio hobby. Also in the 16th edition of the Global Radio Guide, Gail Van Horn takes a look at the role that radio played during the Falkland Island War, even as new government leaders within Argentina jockey for position to reclaim sovereignty over the islands. Spectrum Monitor magazine editor Ken Reitz dives into the rise and fall of Digital Radio Mondial, DRM, on shortwave radio. Reitz gives the rundown on where you can still find DRM signals on the shortwave bands even if you do not have a DRM-capable radio in your home. Fred Waterer, also of the Spectrum Monitor, checks in with a feature on traveling the world without leaving home. Fred gives us a detailed RF itinerary for circumnavigating the globe via broadcasters on shortwave radio. The 16th edition of the Global Radio Guide e-book it's an electronic book only. No print edition is available. It's available worldwide from Amazon.com. The price for this latest edition is $8.99 U.S. Now let's go to Henry Matai in the Philippines with DX News.
4: Hello everyone, to shortwave listeners. Wherever you're welcome to the May 9th edition of the Philippine DX. This is report number 170. I'm Henry Umadai in Bacolod City, niagara Occidental, Central Philippines. Glad to be back and thank you for listening. I would like to thank our DXR friends for sending their reception report most recently. Mr. Kostantin Pravotarov in Saporica, Ukraine. Mr. Konstantin Barsenkov in St. Petersburg, Russia. Mr. Harold Waring in Massachusetts. Mr. Richard Lemke in Alberta, Canada, and Mr. Andreas Mucklich in Berlin, Germany. To all of you, thank you very much. Reception logs for April 2021, April 4, New Life Station, KNLS on 9965 in English from Anchor Point at 0845 SIO 454. April 4, China Radio International on 13800 0, 0 in English from Kasgar, Xinjiang Province at 0915 SIO 555. April 11, Voice of Korea on 13650 in English from Kujang at 1013 SIO 343. 3. April 11, Adventist World Radio on 17540. In Lucano from Guam at 10:35 SIO 555, April 19 Adventist World Radio on 12040 in English from Guam at 2205 SIO 333, April 25 Radio Taiwan International on 11915 in Indonesian from Tainan at 10:15 SIO 555, April 25 Voice of Korea. KCBS on 11680 in Korean from Kangchi at 1020 SIO 444. 4. April 25, NHK Radio Japan on 11620 in Japanese from Yamata at 1021 SIO 343. April 25, KNLS New Life Station on 9580 in English from Anchor Point at 1025 SIO 343. April 25, Voice of America on 12030 English from Penhara at 1137, SAO444. April 25, Voice of Vietnam on 12020 in Vietnamese from Sentai at 1206, SAO333. And April 28, Channel Radio International on 11955 in Filipino from Kunming at 1208. SIO555. Send us your comments, suggestions, reception logs, and informations to DX at chiaho.com. That's P-I-L-I-P-I-N-A-S-D-X for DX at shiaho.com. This has been Henry Omadai for Wavescan in Bacolod City, negros sa Kasedantal, Central Philippines mabuhay at maraming salamat po.
0: And we end today with the Almora March from India, played by the Indian Army Band. Thanks for listening to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio, researched and written in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson. Next week, the German shortwave service at Koenig's Wusterhausen, Part 2, and our Bangladesh DX report. Several QSL cards are available for WaveScan. Send your AWR and KSDA reception reports for the program to the AWR address in Thailand. Stay tuned for that in a second. And also to the radio station that your radio is tuned to, WRMI or WWCR or KVOH or Voice of Hope Africa or to IRRS Italy or the AWR relay stations that carry wave scan. Remember to... You can send a reception report to the DX reporters when their segment is on the air here in the program. They will also verify with their own colorful QSL cards, such as today's report from the Philippines. Return postage and an address label are always appreciated. The email address for AWR QSLs is QSL at AWR dot The postal address for AWR QSLs is Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, Prakonong, that's P-R-A-K-A-N-O-N-G, Bangkok, 10110, Thailand. Again, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, Prakonong, Bangkok, 10110, Thailand. And the email address for other correspondence to Wavescan non-reception reports is wavescan at awr.org. I'm Jeff White at WRMI in Okeechobee, Florida in the USA. Till next week, good listening everyone.